1: In London, this is The Economist, with Tasting Menu, a delicious collection of reporting and analysis from our coverage this week. I'm Kenneth a senior editor at The Economist, and on our menu this week, a tobacco merger shows the industry's resilience, Argentina's economic woes hit the dance floors, and Mumbai's hawkers feel some legal heat. But first, the 45th president was our cover line this week. Donald Trump has been sworn into the Oval Office and it's clear he's going to be a very different kind of president. But exactly how he intends to govern remains to be seen. This week, we argued that we already know a fair amount about what kind of person he is, enough to guess how he may rule. Spoiler alert, it's not pretty. For sure, Mr Trump
0: is changeable. He will tell the New York Times that climate change is man-made in one breath – and promise coal country that he will reopen its mines in the next.
1: But behind these flip-flopping verbal tirades, there's actually a lot to be learnt.
0: Mr Trump has long held certain beliefs and attitudes that sketch out the lines of a possible presidency. They suggest that the almost boundless Trumpian optimism on display among American business people deserves to be tempered by fears about trade protection and geopolitics. Starting with the optimism. Since November's election, the S&P 500 index is up by 6% to reach record highs. Surveys show that business confidence has soared. Both reflect hopes that Mr Trump will cut corporate taxes, leading companies to bring foreign profits back home. But
1: bombastic confidence can have adverse effects in the long run.
0: If prices start to rise faster, pressure will mount on the Federal Reserve to increase interest rates. The dollar will soar, And countries that have amassed large-dollar debts, many of them emerging markets, may well buckle. One way or another, any resulting instability will blow back into America. And
1: aside from economic bluster, Mr Trump is misreading geopolitics too.
0: Even before taking office, Mr Trump has hacked away at the decades-old, largely bipartisan cloth
1: of American foreign policy. He seems to be treating countries like businesses. But global diplomacy does not follow the art of the deal. America cannot walk away
0: from China in search of another superpower to deal with over the South China Sea. Doubts that have been sown cannot be uprooted. As if the game had all along been a harmless exercise in price discovery, alliances that take decades to build can be
1: weakened in months. This week's issue is filled with analysis about the new president, so make sure to pick up a copy. On to India now, where a law passed to help Mumbai's street food vendors, known as hawkers, may have in fact flipped their fortunes the wrong way. An article in our Asia section tucked in.
0: Life was supposed to be getting easier for Mumbai's 150,000-odd hawkers. In 2014, the National Parliament passed a law that required states to formalise the practice, for instance by issuing licences and designating areas where it was expressly permitted. Ostensibly, some good news then, but there is a loophole. The draft rules, however, include a requirement that would be hawkers be domiciled in Maharashtra, the state of which Mumbai is the capital. Under local law, domicile comes only after 15 years of residence. Not too many hawkers are likely to pass
1: that test.
0: Most are immigrants from poorer northern states. Even those who have been living in the city for decades would have trouble proving their status since they tend to live in informal dwellings and so cannot prove an address. But for those working in the informal economy, rules can seem a little informal too. Many of Mumbai's hawkers may not bother with the new system. Only 14,000 of them make use of the existing one, although at least 10 times that number operate.
1: So with Mumbai's hawkers looking to stick around, it's time to move to our America section, where we reported on a group sliding into the limelight for all the wrong reasons. Argentina is well known as a
2: dancing hotspot, but a stumbling economy is pulling dancers off the floor. When couples tango outdoors in Buenos Aires, it is usually to catch coins from tourists. A recent display outside the city hall had a new purpose, to draw attention to the plight of the city's milongas, tango events where the dancers' only audience is other dancers. These traditional events are all the rage in the capital. Perhaps 150 malongas take place weekly in dance halls and community centres across the capital, either in the afternoons or after midnight. They are the heart of the tango says Julia Bassan president of the Association of Malonga Organizers and that heart of the tango is slowly bleeding with a weak economy and high inflation cutting into incomes attendance fell by as much as half last year Mr Bassan reckons 17 malongas closed
1: but economic woes aside it is technology too that is affecting the tradition
2: Young milongueros prefer modern tango, which mixes the music of classical composers like Carlos Gardel, who died in 1935 with electronic beats. But the young come less often. In an age of dating apps, fewer find mates in milongas.
1: Perhaps we need to change the idiom it takes two to tango to it takes two to tinder, which doesn't sound as nice. And in this digital age, another staple of modern society is under threat, cash. In our Money Talks podcast this week, we asked whether the world is ready to leave its paper denominations behind. Here's Ken Rogoff, an economist at Harvard University and former chief economist at the IMF, who thinks cash is going to be around for a while.
2: We want to preserve uh, having a physical currency, what we want to do is strike a better balance. I think we if we got rid of large denomination notes, it would allow ordinary people to do pretty much everything they want to do. You can carry a hundred thousand dollars and ten dollar bills in a small modest sized briefcase. You can, you know, buy whatever you need and make it more difficult for people hoarding really vast sums, evading sales taxes, evading regulation.
1: Thank you. That was Ken Rogoff of Harvard University. And I'm Ken Kukia of The Economist, an academic, a journalist. We actually don't know anything about earning real cash, do we? Moving along to this week's science and technology podcast, Babbage, we explored another facet of the digital revolution. Automation has been around for decades, but as technology marches on, the possibility of humans being replaced by robot workers is increasing. Here's Andrew McAfee of MIT explaining how technology may simply transform jobs rather than replace them. Technology always does two things simultaneously. It substitutes for people and the tasks that they do, at the same time, it's a complement. It's an aid to people and the tasks that they do, sometimes even within the same job. My exhibit A for that is bank tellers. And if you remember back, as soon as ATM machines came out, we heard, again, that litany of prediction
2: that bank tellers were about to become an endangered species. And if you look at what actually happened, the number of bank tellers in America, at least, rose fairly steadily for decades because banks opened up more branches and we actually needed those tellers to do a different set of things but we still
1: really needed those people. That's Andrew McAfee of MIT. The Babbage podcast is available to download each Wednesday, so to hear more discussions on science and technology, please do listen. Human workers might resist job destruction from automation. Over in our business section, we see another example of resilience in the face of change, this time from big tobacco. The industry is facing challenges, but it isn't being stubbed out just yet.
3: In 2015, just over a fifth of adults smoke, estimates the World Health Organisation, down from almost a quarter ten years earlier. The drop doesn't help tobacco companies, we explained, but it doesn't extinguish them either. Though global smoking rates have fallen, population growth means that about 1.1 billion people still smoke, roughly as many as did in 2005. Nor have regulations snuffed out the tobacco firms. Countries have passed a battery of laws to fight smoking, including taxes and bans on advertising and on smoking in pubs. Tobacco companies have fought these ferociously, suing countries such as Australia for prohibiting logos on cigarette packs, for example.
1: Indeed, in the cigarette game, it's only rival businesses that are the major threat, so some are lining up
3: in packs. British American Tobacco, or BAT, announced on January 17th a final deal to buy Reynolds American for $49 billion. BAT already owns 42% of Reynolds. Buying the rest of it will create the world's largest listed tobacco company by sales and profits.
1: And the move could mean other firms crave some changes of their own.
3: Indeed, this week's deal increases the chance that Altria, which sells Marlboro in America, will be bought by Philip Morris International, which sells Marlborough elsewhere, and is the industry's leader to date. A scary prospect even for emerged BAT and Reynolds. To find out more about this
1: responsible industry filled with integrity... <coughs> Why not pick up a copy of this week's issue and read the article? Our final taste of this week's issue comes from our letters section. In our Christmas issue in December, we wrote about how a certain Harry Flashman, a fictional British literary character, would have made a terrific foreign correspondent. One letter writer, Richard Carter, wrote in to say...
3: As the late, great Christopher Hitchens once said on discovering a friend of his had also fallen for that arch-cad Harry Flashman one can recognise a confirmed addict and fellow sufferer. As someone who also likes to reread Flashman's in the places they are set, it is my belief that your correspondent is a terminal case. Huzzah!
1: Huzzah indeed! I'm Kenneth Kukier, and that's all for this week's Tasting Menu. Don't forget you can read all of our articles in this week's issue or on our website. Keep sending in your feedback by email to radio at economist.com. Or by reviewing our podcasts on the App Store. And don't forget to share our work on social media. In London, this is The Economist. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus,